0: Welcome to Blink of an Eye, where we interview thought leaders and deep thinkers on trauma healing wisdom, both ancient and modern. As we learn together with experts from around the world, we also engage in captivating relational conversations with spinal cord injury heroes and innovators in our Dear Louise series. Out of one mom's trauma to integration story, Blink of an Eye brings you a collection of unparalleled and diverse views as we take you on an inspiring and unvarnished look at the true nature of trauma in all our lives. Today's episode is part of our Dear Louise series, where I have the joy of conversing with extraordinary individuals living with spinal cord injury who both embrace and defy their physical limitations as entrepreneurs, trailblazers, tastemakers and innovators. Join us as we explore what is possible in spinal cord injury. This episode is sponsored by Blink of an Eye nonprofit and by Baltimore Mediation. Our next guest was a passionate plumber who also had a passion for snowboarding until his life changed in the blink of an eye when he broke his back riding Vail Pass. He has since returned to extreme sports, this time sitting down. Join us to hear about Trevor Kennison's remarkable Trauma to resilient story and a special inside preview of the upcoming film, Full Circle. Stay tuned. I am blessed to introduce you to Trevor Kennison. Trevor, a gifted all-around athlete, originally from New Hampshire, was skiing out west in Colorado in 2014 when, at the age of 22, He hit a 40-foot jump in backwater country near Vail Pass, went sideways and landed on his back, paralyzed from the waist down. In that moment, his life was changed in the blink of an eye. But it was also the start of a new beginning for Trevor, who chose to push boundaries and achieve new remarkable feats in skiing, making history as the first Sit skier to launch off the nose of the cornice into Corbett's couloir at Jackson Hole in 2019. We're going to talk about that double backflip today. Kennison's journey as an adaptive skier and advocate has propelled him to professional athlete status, earning sponsorships from notable companies and participating in prestigious events such as the X Games. And Trevor is also the subject of a new documentary film coming out this fall, Full Circle. Welcome, Trevor.
1: Thank you so much, Louise, for having me. Really appreciate it.
0: Delighted. You know, this all around life that you live and also the subject of a film documentary, I'm wondering about Trevor Kennison. Can you give us a sense of the essence of Trevor Kennison?
1: I don't think I've actually heard that question asked to me before, which is really cool because a lot of people are like, oh, so what's next? What's next? What trick are you going to do? And it's like, all right, well, who is Trevor, you know? And don't get me wrong, I ski, but, you know, I'm more than a skier. I ski, I bike, I surf, dirt bike, wakeboard, you know, all all the sports, but it's more so it's just like the community and giving back in that sense about when you're out doing it, just having a smile and just like a passion for it. And when I go come into a room, it's like, I'm always smiling. And I'm like, yo, what's up, guys? And, you know, who Trevor is really is just more than just a skier. Is more so comes into the room and is very loud. <laughs>
0: and has a big, beautiful energy.
1: Yes, a, bit, a lot of energy, that's for sure.
0: I imagine that that energy that propelled you To say, I want to be in Colorado. I understand your story when you were just a little boy at 12 and you went out with your family to visit and it was like, this is where I want to be. And then to have had your accident in the back country. I'm wondering if we can talk about that accident that um, I'm understanding you had while in the air and really catching an edge in the wrong way. Can we talk about that? Yeah.
1: Yeah, of course. November 14th, 2014. Oh my goodness. This is November. Yeah, this is a while ago, almost eight years coming up. So I was in the backcountry and my two friends went down first and hit this jump. And then I went next. And going off the jump, I caught an edge right off the takeoff of the jump. And I'm flying through the air like a Superman. So I tucked my head and I didn't want to land on my neck. So I tucked my head and I land right on my back and my board and boots right here. Compressed me like a taco. I heard a loud pop and my head was facing upwards, like towards the, the top of the mountain. My feet were facing to the bottom of the mountain, like a starfish. And I just remember my buddy was like, Hey, man, like get up, man, get up. And I, I looked down, I was like, I can't move my legs. And he looked at me again. He's like, Come on, man, get up right there. And I was like, I can't, I can't fucking move my legs. I literally looked at my feet and it was just one of those things where. You know how you sprain your ankle and you're like, oh, like my feet are like really warm. Like, do I take off my shoe? Do I not? I knew right away, but I was trying to be optimistic and like I broke my hip. I knew immediately, but at the same time, I was like, because I damaged my left side less than uh, my right side's way more damaged than my left side. And so I could feel the nerve pain, a excruciating pain in my hip. And that's why I was like, oh, maybe I broke my hip. And I was just trying to be optimistic. But like I said, I knew right away. I laid there from 4 to 7.30 at night in a blizzard, and I just remember like the first hour and a half, I was in pain, but not really that much pain because I had so much adrenaline. I was more in shock. And then once it wore off, I just could not stop. I was in so much pain. I ended up shattering T11, T12 in my vertebrae. I punctured my spinal cord, and I dislocated my back 90 degrees into my stomach. So I was just in the most excruciating pain after that hour and a half. The last hour and a half, two hours, I was just looking up. I just remember the snow just slowly falling. And it was, I don't know if it was a full moon or what. But I just remember it being so bright out. The snow, um, you know, I just falling big, big flakes, but it was so falling slow. And all I could think of was like, Trevor, just don't close your eyes. Don't close your eyes. And we're just fighting super hard just not to close my eyes. So mm.
0: Wow, just the remarkable desire that you had, and I think humans have to live. Keep your eyes open; don't close your eyes.
1: Humans are amazing. That's that's for damn sure.
0: (laughs) You know, you lay in the snow for so long, even though your friends had also seen you take off. Why did it take so long for the backcountry rescue team to get there?
1: It took them a while to get to me, the rescue team, just because it snowed and snowed and snowed. And anyone that drives I-70 in Colorado knows for a fact that it is a, it's an absolute mess when it snows just a little bit, and let alone like inches on top of feet. So I don't think they could even get an ambulance up there or a, a flight for life. And the ambulance just took so long because of the pass shutting down. And accidents, I'm sure, and just trying to get up there. It's kind of blessing these guys because I lay there for a while, and you know, I have some. I'm an incomplete injury, and I believe I have some movement because I lay there for three and a half hours, and it decreased the swelling of my spinal cord instead of expanding. It kind of like put me on ice right away.
0: That's exactly what I wanted to ask you about because yep. when I learned that you had basically uh, been lying in the snow, like packed into yep. the snow for a good three hours. I thought about on Blink of an Eye nonprofit, we have begun a national registry for medically unexplained spinal cord injury recoveries, the ones where the physicians say this young person, young man is not ever going to walk again or be able to use his arms or hands again. And then, you know, a couple of years later, that person does, and they're not documented right now. And so I've gotten right. really interested in the Our trustees are very interested in this and we're being led by one of our board members, uh, Ryan Angold, who's a Navy SEAL for whom that same experience happened. And as we've really been digging down into it, we think that it might be related to exactly what you experienced, that you were packed in snow. So your body was not doing all of the blowing up Right, um, and so all of the inflammation, the swelling, exactly, was contained, and it was similar to Ryan, who was in the Atlantic Ocean as a seal, not wanting anybody else who did not have expertise, because he knew he was paralyzed from the neck down, and waiting in the freezing cold water for a good forty-five minutes. It's just an interesting, not yet medically explored with a large enough group of people to be able to uh, try and replicate. But it's a really important uh, insight, I think, that you have about how it may have been a blessing in disguise.
1: Yeah. And I'm not a doctor, so those are just my two cents. And like, you know, I, I feel like being a doctor or whatever profession you're in, you know, listening to like whoever's actually experiencing that and going through it, getting feedback like that, because I feel like that's such a true and honest way to get feedback mm-hmm. and a really real information too.
0: Yeah, for sure. You know, I'm wondering on a real personal level, if you have any memory of what it was like, what was moving through your head as you lay there the first hour
1: and a half. So I was awake the whole time. I was a plumber. So I had my own work truck, my ex-girlfriend at the time, who I was dating, I had my own apartment I just moved into a month ago, getting back on pain pills, not being a plumber anymore, telling my parents. And I didn't even think about being in a wheelchair. I didn't even think about having a spinal cord injury. Like that didn't even cross my mind. It was all these other things that like I worked hard for and I wanted to do. And I loved, you know, I loved playing basketball or going to the gym or soccer or snowboarding you know all these things and it was just like I didn't think twice about just like oh man like what's my life going to be now and up there all I was thinking of well I have to tell my dad and my my mom my sister my girlfriend and get back on pain pills not be a plumber which sounds so stupid no
0: it's actually so meaningful it was your livelihood and something so important to you
1: you know the life I live now I'm very very thankful and I've met amazing people along the way and A lot of people have helped me get here and I've grinded myself very, very hard. Me being a plumber, I loved it. Like, I absolutely loved it. And Roy always, me and him always joke about it. But my thing is, like, what do you need to know about plumbing? You know, it's like, all you need to know is payday is on Friday and shit rolls downhill.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I tell you, in the spinal cord injury world... Plumbing is number one, bowel and bladder, and it's yeah, just a matter yeah. of plumbing.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's so it's so true. And, and it's, and yeah. it's uh, for me, it's very natural, not natural. It's like, oh, damn, you have to find a different way how to do your bowels and go to the bathroom and go pee and go poop. And it's funny because as a plumber, like, oh, my God, whatever. I did some disgusting things, right? afterwards you know after getting injured and dating and doing all these things you come across people that are like oh ew! like that's disgusting i'm like well if this happened to you like you'd have to do the same thing you weed out a lot of like people that you wouldn't want to associate with and it's just comical because you meet some amazing people out there that like don't even blink an eye and like oh all right cool like how do you need help and it's just really really cool of like putting that perspective and Uh, This is a good transition because in my movie, Full Circle, that we just got done shooting last spring and they got done doing all the editing and all that stuff and post-production it's coming to life. So it's a total of four year project in that it's a story about post-traumatic growth of a spinal cord injury. I talk about, you know, mental health, but I also go to the bathroom on camera. I talk about catheters. I talk about sexual function. Mm. And I also do all these amazing mm-hmm. never been done's before on a sit ski. But what I'm getting at is like the movie shows that I am a human. You know what I mean? It's like everyone is human. I don't care what you yeah. go through, disabled yeah. or not, you know, mentally, yeah. you know, everyone has something inside of them that they're dealing with. The movie, I was very vulnerable in that part. And a lot of people when I Play the movie, or you know, we do the Q and A's, and people are like, "Yo, I applaud you for that, you know, for your vulnerability." And I'm like, "Thank you." And I get nervous of it. I've heard, I've been hearing good feedback, and I guess for me, it's just like I wanted to be as real as possible because people are one not educated on it, and that's fine. Unless if you know someone with a spinal cord injury or someone with a disability, you're not going to be very much educated on their disability or disabilities in general. And even before I got injured, I didn't know much about disabilities. Yeah, it's just definitely like a cool perspective of like how we brought it to light. Like I said, I, I'm a just a normal person, just like everyone else. You know, I, mean, I don't care who you are, everyone are just people, you know, and as long as you're, you know, a good person at heart, like I, I love that. That's why I'm really excited for the movie because it highlights all that kind of stuff. It educates people in a fun way. That's why I told Josh Berman, who's the director, uh level one productions, and I told them from day one, I was like, you know what? I want to do this as real as possible. So he was basically like, Hey, we're going to shoot this scene. Like of you uh, going on the bathroom and putting a suppository on and like, you can reenact it. You don't have to actually like do it. And I was like, I was like, hell no. I want to do this as real as possible. You come back tomorrow morning. I'm putting my gloves. I'm putting my suppository inside me and I'm, you better roll that camera. Cause if you miss it, you miss it. And that's on you, bro. <laughs>
0: We'll pause now in support of our sponsors who support Blink of an Eye. We'll be right back.
2: Blink of an Eye nonprofit is filling a gap nationwide in response to spinal cord injury trauma for families in the first hours and days of injury. With fewer than 20 hospitals in the country having SCI expertise, Blink of an Eye has navigators who themselves have been there as SCI survivors and who are trained in relational approaches to trauma, who are available 24-7 to support families, empowering them on their journeys, navigating their lives, and interacting with medical staff for the first 30 days. The nonprofit's mission is to transform the SCI crisis experience into an extraordinary one, despite the devastation. When you learn of a newly injured SCI family, call Blink of an Eye on their toll-free number, one 844 41 Blink. You can also learn more and get involved with Blink of an Eye at www.blinkofaneye.org.
3: Blink of an Eye is sponsored by Baltimore Mediation. Since 1993, Baltimore Mediation has been leading the way in a relational approach to conflict and problem solving. They are national leaders in teaching and providing fully immersive and experiential online training in mediation and conflict transformation skills. Register for the next course at www.baltimoremediation.com. The quality of your interactions at work, at home, and in your daily life will be transformed. And you will create more well-being for yourself And others. Better process, better outcome. Baltimore Mediation.
0: And now, back to the show.
1: Funny you bring it up because it's just like, I'm just so excited to have this movie come to life because it's just going to normalize that. And because it's like everyone has to go to the bathroom, everyone has sexual functions. Everyone Exactly. Exactly. You know, so it's like more normal educate in a fun way and especially with all the amazing feats I've done on the ski. And it's really, really exciting. I'm really excited for this movie. I'm really excited for the world to see it. And yeah, I can't wait. Can't wait.
0: You know, I I do think this normalizing piece is just so healthy because it also provides for for me just this incredible wellspring of Compassion, but also like, dang, you guys are amazing because of all the extra things that you need to do to do what is just so normal. But all the extra things, I think, just draw us all to a point of not reverence. I don't need to go so far as to say that, but just admiration.
1: I think a lot of that stems down to like having like a strong core, right? And when I say strong core, I think of like, your brain or mentally, you know, and like so many people might not be physically disabled, but like, you know, so many people deal with mental health issues. And I just think it's so important to like, you know, I've had best friends pass away from suicide and, and basically what I'm getting at is like your mind and all that isn't strong. And even if you're the best athlete or best businessman or artist, or it doesn't matter, but like, you're not going to be able to perform to your best because you're mentally not there.
0: Yeah. What would you say has been the most uh, groundbreaking or insightful experience you've had with regard to your own mental health that's been important that you might be willing to share?
1: No one's going to do it for you. So you got to do it yourself or else you're going to sit in this wheelchair and just rot, right? Mentally, like, I know it's so tough in that, that like point you might be like so low because I'm always, you know, I'm up and down. I'm, you know when you're at that low spot and you think it's like never going to get better you know and then when it does and you look back at it you're like wow you know after like seeing like really good friends pass away it's just like you know going to the funerals it's just crazy because it's just like just pick up the phone and call someone i know it might be so hard to do I see so many people at funerals and you don't they don't realize how many people love you mm-hmm. and that's why it's like you know, you know you don't really know what someone's going through and i guess like for me it's just like kill them with kindness. And, you know, it's like, all right, if someone's having a bad day, it's all right. You know, maybe you can brighten their day or just whatever. But, you know, even for me, like I have, I have plenty of bad days, you know, I don't even want to get out of bed or talk to people or do anything, just realizing like what we have in front of us, because, you know, there's a lot of people out there that have it way worse. My mom's from Columbia. And, you know, when I went there when I was 12 years old to see like what she grew up with and what she had compared to what I had growing up as a kid, I remember being Colombian, going to the store and buying a soccer ball and all the kids were stoked. And we just literally set up rocks in the street and they played without shoes and they're the happiest, you know? And that's the thing. It's like in life, we get caught up in so many different things and it's like slow down and like really take a deep breath and like look around you, like look at the people who's around you. And like, that's, I think like where a lot of us can like slow it down in that sense. And that's what I've been trying to do lately. And it's Mm -hmm. been helping me
0: like uh, an equalizer and a balancer for the highs and the lows when you can look around you. And there's this quality that you're sharing with us about a comparative quality, but not so much a comparing oneself against, but more of a, wow, I'm grateful for what I do have because of what others don't, regardless of the inability to move your body in the way that you Mm -hmm. used to.
1: Without a doubt. Yeah,
0: very, very powerful. You know, I don't think our listeners might know what a sit ski is.
1: I'll tell everyone.
0: Yeah. Can you describe that to us?
1: It's for people that are amputees, or if you say if you have knee problems or hip problems, can't stand, you can sit down. And basically there's a frame which has a shock on it. It's a motorcycle shock. And then on top of the frame, it's a plastic bucket with some padding. Because having a spinal cord injury, padding is the most important part in the game. You don't ever want to get a skin sore. And if you do, you could be out weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks.
0: So the padding prevents a wound, basically, an abrasion.
1: Exactly. And for us, uh, we don't have the circulation and that's just extremely important. So that frame and the ski, right, you sit down and that clips into a binding on a single ski. So instead of having your two feet, your left and right foot, clip toe and heel in your left and right ski, boom, boom. I clip into my frame, toe to heel, clip it down. And now I'm in my sit ski and it's called a sit ski. It's a single ski. And then basically I transfer into it. And then I have these things called outriggers, basically like forearm crutches, but they're short. They're like two feet tall. So they basically go over my forearm and then I have a handle and then they basically go down to like a little ski blade. And I have these drawstrings where it's like pick mode. And then I can pull them down and it's ski mode. They basically help me balance. And I have them on my left and right hand. And then the shock is if, when you're going over rough terrain, it can uh, absorb all the uh, bumps or doing jumps or whatever you want to do. When you ski, you basically ski the same way as you would if you're able-bodied. You just do whatever motions you have. Uh, Sitting down, you do the exact same as you would a standing up.
0: Wow. I mean, what is it like for you having been such a skier before and now to be closer to the snow itself? What's the difference? What's it like?
1: So I never skied. I only snowboarded my whole life. My dad had a snowboard shop in the mid 80s. So I grew up on snowboarding when I was like two years old. So I never knew skiing ever. I never put on ski boots a day in my life. So
0: you've always just been on on one ski. One,
1: well, one snowboard. Cause like <laughs> snowboard, you're facing yeah. left or right versus, you know, your shoulders are parallel down the mountain with skiing. For me, like two edges definitely translated really easy. And it's so funny, the amount of people that are like, they're like, talk about ski boots. I'm like, ah, oh, that sucks. I wear some nice comfy boots. I can't feel them, but they're comfy. <laughs> <laughs> um, the transition was definitely, um, not easy, but I just, I liked it.
0: Something familiar about it. I liked
1: it. Yeah. Being lower to the ground, it was definitely because you're going so fast. And then you're on one seat and you're trying to stop. And it's like, oh, I don't know how to stop. Like, what do I do? So There's definitely a huge learning curve.
0: Were there any other accidents that you had? Because you are flying.
1: Yeah, actually, I broke my tibia. I hit a tree. mm 2017, six years ago now. So this was like a really, really long time ago. I was in older equipment. I was in the trees, like the glade runs and there were some tight trees. And I kind of, my feet went above a tree island and my body went below the tree island. I basically was like, oh, that was not good. My friend got my ski because I went like a hundred feet down, came back up, clipped me in. And I couldn't feel it. But I was like, I probably did something. Like I absolutely smoked my shin. It was snowing. So I skied like five or six more runs because it, it was a powder day, And so I skied five or six more runs. Five or six more runs with a broken tibia. Well, I didn't know it. So I get to the bottom and I pull my leg out of my boot and I'm like looking down and I feel it and it's like kind of flat. And I was like, I was like, oh yeah, like <laughs> it's not broken. I put it back in my foot. I drive home, taking a shower and it's just like getting really swollen, red and like not nearly the same color as my other foot go to my girlfriend's house. I fall asleep on her bed at like six o'clock. I wake up at like nine 30. I'm like shivering. And she's like, I need to take you to hospital. Took me to the hospital. Long story short, my tibia was snapped in half. And then they had to do surgery, put a rod through my leg, screws it below my knee, above my ankle and stabilized it. So that was real fun. <laughs>
0: wow. You mentioned earlier about the blood flow yep. uh, that Those who are spinal cord injured had to be really careful of with wounds and so forth. How about with being able to heal from a broken bone?
1: I love how you know half these things already. I have a huge scar on the back of my heel. And this has nothing to do with my broken tibia. It does. It's hand in hand. So when I went in for my broken tibia...
0: You just put your hand up to be about larger than the size of a quarter, more like a 50 cent piece.
1: It was like a half dollar. Yeah. And so basically, so here's my foot, like toes are here back of my heel, calf. So they put a soft cast from the bottom of my foot up to my calf. So imagine my foot, ankle, left ankle, right ankle. So they put it around like that. And it was still swollen, swelling. It was still swelling, swelling, swelling. And they're like, oh yeah, come back in five days. So I came back in five days and my ankle, they are like, oh, maybe it will heal. And my ankle is healing like left to right. So like I could feel it every time I moved it, it was just like mm. not connected. And it was just gross feeling. And I go back and they take it off. And I was so upset because they took it off. And then on the back of my heel was straight up a half dollar uh, skin sore, a pressure sore. And I was just like, oh, wow. And it was getting to like a stage like two, maybe like about to three, you know, breaking down the muscle and all this stuff. And I was just like, so pissed. very
0: very advanced. Yeah, and I was just like
1: so pissed and so upset. That was just very hard to do. So they ended up doing surgery, I think like a couple days later. The surgery part was like six to eight week recovery.
0: For the wound, they did the surgery.
1: No, for my tibia. And then the wound, I just like did wound care and all that. That was just so hard because like, you know, you want to elevate your foot and put it on your heel. And I'm like, shit, like how do I... Kind of like have a whole donut for it, and it was just such a wild time in my life, in the sense of just like my broke my tibia, and it's like all right, they're like six to eight weeks, you can start standing. I'm like what? Like I can stand? I was like what about my heel? They're like oh yeah, it's probably like another month, six weeks. Mm -hmm. So that took like Mm -hmm. three to four months to heal, and I don't know, or if your audience knows, but when you get a skin sore or you know pressure sore like that, or a scrape on your extremities, like where you get injured, you're only going to get 80% of that skin regeneration growth back. It's a gnarly thing. Cause like I always will have a scar back there, but like my skin's perfectly fine back there, but still it's, it's not going to be like a hundred percent ever again. So yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Just those things like small things like, oh yeah, I hit a tree, but it's like, that doesn't even matter. It's like I went to the hospital and tried to get it fixed and it got worse.
0: Yeah. I think there's a lot too, that you're highlighting actually just about what Those in the spinal cord injury world live with on secondary injuries that are perhaps not as devastating as the original injury, but they're pretty darn darn, um, stressful. yeah, Yeah, without a doubt. And take a long time to heal and take you down for quite some time as well. And also, just this notion of the care of being able to notice what goes on in the body and the kind of vigilance that everyone who is spinal cord injured must have to make sure that the body does not get these kinds of wounds.
1: For sure. You have to be a doctor yourself.
0: Yeah, isn't it the truth? You know, I'm thinking about you in that sit-ski and here you were pushing the boundaries, you know, to launch off the cornice of uh, Corbett's Cooler. And I'm wondering what it was that was going through your mind then when you had returned to sports again and in such a dare devil move that you made.
1: It was just something I wanted to do. It was so early on in my career, definitely jump started. And I'm so thankful for it. But I'm really excited for people to see this movie full circle because the amount of stuff that I did in it is people's minds are just going to be blown. So when they see Corbett's, you know, and don't get me wrong, I'm so, it is incredible. Like, I can't believe I did do that. <laughs> you know, looking back at it, you know, put me up on there now. I'm like, let's go. But Looking back for four, four <laughs> years ago, five years or whatever. And it's like, man, maybe I shouldn't be up here, you know? And But like I said, like, I, I've done a lot of amazing feats since then. And I'm really excited for people to see them. So
0: as an athlete at the X Games, you know, what kind of impact do you think that might be having on the perception? of sports now that people are able to see adaptive sports and differently able-bodied athletes.
1: For what have I done in the past and moving forward with this movie, I really think it's going to capture so many people in adaptive sports, uh, people that ski, snowboard, uh, kids, adults, people that don't even do sports. So I guess I'm just really excited in that sense of talking about that, you know, disability and just showing what's possible this movie showcases all of it. You can see my face and just...
0: Yeah, I can't wait to see it with you. I was like, oh my gosh, cannot wait. When's it going to come out, Trevor?
1: We'll have a big old film tour this fall leading into winter. Just stay tuned to Full Circle and the website and it will have all the updates of what's happening on all the locations and tickets and Where you can go see it and where I'm going to go speak and where I'm going to be and anything you want to know is go go to the website. And the
0: website is?
1: So it's fullcircle.com. It's under Level One Productions, their website. website. Level One Productions is doing the movie. Yeah. So you just go to Level One website and then you can type in Full Circle and it has all the information there. The movie, we don't have like any like film tour dates specifically done yet. We are all working on that in the next couple months. So,
0: Yeah, well, we want our listeners to support you and go see that movie and be inspired it. and tell your friends to come see it and look at it. And my understanding is that you are the impetus for this movie.
1: Yes, I'm a subject. I'm a subject. They told my whole life story from when I was a kid. So this movie parallels me and Barry Corbett. And Barry Corbett was a legend himself uh in the adaptive community with a spinal cord injury but also like he made first films in jackson hole wyoming ski films and you know he's just such a forgotten person you know like i said what josh berman and level one the whole crew did uh how they put our stories together is unbelievable seriously it's just it's incredible like what they did and yeah i'm blown away with how they put it together so
0: Just the artistic parallelism of Barry's life and yours, even though his injury was about 50 years before yours.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Amazing. But still in the community of winter sports. Yep. And both of you pushing boundaries.
1: He was a badass kayaker. He did filmmaking. So he started kayaking and he was the first ever, pretty sure, paraplegic to kayak the Grand Canyon, which is insane. You know, and uh, the footage we have of that is I watched it and it's in the movie, but it it blows my mind. (laughs) Like the stuff I did. Yeah, that's cool. But like that was that's incredible. And he wrote a book, um, Options. Uh, He did movies as well. It's just nuts because I don't care if it's myself or other people with spinal cord injuries. The book just kind of goes with like, hey, six months, a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years how do people live with spinal cord injuries in however like aspects of life, you know, all these different aspects of life. And so it's just really cool. His book narrates the whole movie. Mm. It's just so full circle of emotions. That's all I have to say. (laughs)
0: Full circle in every respect and full circle of emotions. You know, I'm wondering what a highlight for you was working on this film project and then learning about how the producers and the writers were going to weave these two amazing stories together.
1: A highlight for me was going back to where I broke my back and Vale Pass. And I pulled the world's first double backflip on a sit-ski. My mom was out there. She's never seen me sit-ski. My, my sister's out there, big crew, just to be able to go back to where I broke my back and had this injury. I wasn't like, I went to that spot and I was like, fuck this spot. It's more so like, you know, I'm thankful for this spot. You know, without this mm-hmm. spot, I wouldn't be where I am today. And,
0: Pause on that. Wow. (laughs) So you go back to the same spot. And instead of a, you know, screw you, F you spot, it was, I'm thankful.
1: Yeah. Without a doubt. I had a different life I was living. But, you know, after having a spinal cord injury, you just have a new life that you're going to live. It's not going to be the same. It's going to be a different one. But it's all up to you of how you like, you want to like live your life.
0: Can I ask you about that? Yeah. Like where was the moment or maybe there were moments of acceptance that I'm going to live a different life, not the life I had before I was injured?
1: I don't know. I think it was more so like after like realizing and being okay with not walking because, you know, 99% of people that have spinal cord injuries are not walking. And that's just the honest truth about it in my movie full circle, it shows and demonstrates that like, you don't have to be walking to live a fulfilled life. Because a lot of people come up to you and they're like, Oh, I'm sorry. and They're like, all right, well, why are you sorry? And they don't know why they're sorry. It's like, all right, well, I could be sorry for you too. But like, why am I saying that? And it goes both ways. And that's the thing. It's like, I'm very, very happy. And I'm very fortunate. And like, I live an awesome, amazing life, but I sit down. And that's not a big deal. You know what I mean? Like we can make it a big deal, you know? And that's like what this movie shows is like, you don't have to fully recover physically, you know, to be walking, to be recovered and to have acceptance moving on with your injury. Because the amount of stuff I do in this wheelchair is incredible. You know, yeah, I might not be able to do a handful of things, but like in our lifetime, we're never going to always do those things that we always want to do. You know what I mean? We're going to maybe do a few thousands of them, maybe. There's a great quote from this guy, the mayor, in the movie, and it uh, says something similar like that. It just, it's a perspective of life. You can dwell on what you don't have, or it's like, all right, well, I have this. Let's go do what I have with this, you know?
0: One of the things we know about any time our lives have changed so dramatically that it is a trauma. It's a traumatic event, an experience. And when we give ourselves permission to return, if you will, right? To look back in the way that the movie is allowing you. I mean, gosh, not only looking back mentally, but you've got a whole visual of your life as you look back. And each time that those tears come, you'll know there's been greater integration when the tears don't grip you. They can just more flow through you and you're able to Move forward with them as just a, a part of your life. It doesn't mean they have to ever go away, but they don't have the same impact. They don't have the same clutch. Tears of joy, as they did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Even be tears of joy. Reminder. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. That's uh, it's very touching. Especially, you're a tough guy. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, I've had a lot of good people around me, and yeah, I'm just very thankful of the people around me. So.
0: You know, one of the people I read about around you is your brother-in-law and your sister.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Just
0: how really extraordinary they've been.
1: My brother-in-law helped me get back skiing. My sister got me to skiing again. And, you know, the amount of like idols or like pro skiers or I don't even care, like pro athletes, NFL players, NBA players, like whoever. I look up to and it's just like the amount of times like you know I look up to my sister or like my brother-in-law, you know, my sister is such a hard worker and like you know, has helped me in so much in my life. Um we're brother and sister, we fight a lot. We've always fought, you know, but we love each other so much and my brother-in-law, he literally the first year he skied with me every single day like ski right behind me. PC you're going to be right behind me to pick me up. Oh yeah, I got you, dude. Okay. Who does that?
0: Who does that? Exactly. It's an
1: incredible act
0: of love and service, isn't it?
1: It is. And like without him, I wouldn't be the sit skier I am today, without a doubt.
0: I don't know if this is what it's like for you, but I'm feeling when you are aware of your brother-in-law behind you, right? If you fall or fall out, Mm -hmm. he's like, I gotcha. Keep on Mm -hmm. going. When you were injured, right, and down and you had to lay by yourself for so long. Mm Mm-hmm you're back now in the sport that you love and someone literally is behind you and has yep. your back Yeah. and how full circle that is. Mm-hmm. You're not going to ever lay by yourself alone for
1: hours. It's just cool. Where you can get done with a, uh, a big group, you know, a village it takes a village. That's for sure. Yeah.
0: So, so true. I'm wondering, do you have any advice you want to give our listeners?
1: I could give all these different kinds of advice. You know, I just say put a smile on, go live your life, have fun, enjoy it. The loved ones around you, tell them you love them, give them a big hug. You know, that's kind of the message this whole podcast is, uh, you know, look at the glass half full instead of half empty and have a sense of humor and joke about some stuff if it gets tough. Because life is tough. It's hard. I know it is. <laughs> Everyone knows it is. And that's the thing. You can have like humor with it. It's like shit. You just, drop something in a puddle like I this is the worst day ever but it's like all right well you can joke around about it or just have the worst day ever and I know it might suck so bad but it's like how can you find a little bit of humor and kind of flip it around in that sense
0: maybe for listeners who are very able-bodied to also bring in some humor too
1: exactly and I don't care if you're disabled or not <laughs> yeah
0: yeah like hey we get it man and yeah moving aside and making it a little bit easier getting to a table or getting to into a door or whatever it is that we're all in this together
1: exactly yeah
0: well i can't thank you enough for being so vulnerable with us here today of look forward to that film and yeah. we will <laughs> sing it from the mountains and we'll tell everybody at blink of an eye non-profit about it too
1: perfect well thank you so much for having me on the show
0: yeah thank you trevor peace be with you
1: Yes, you as
0: well. From his roots in New Hampshire to his fateful jump out west, Trevor Kennison's life took an unexpected turn that transformed him into a beacon of resilience and determination. His journey from that life-altering moment to becoming a trailblazer sit skier has been a testament to the power of the human spirit. Through adversity, Trevor didn't just adapt. He soared to new heights, literally. He defied expectations and pushed the boundaries of what's possible in skiing when he became the first sit skier to conquer the challenging slopes of Corbett's couloir. And his journey didn't stop at personal triumph. It evolved into advocacy for other spinal cord injured athletes and a platform that garnered him professional athlete status, partnerships with renowned companies, and a presence on the grand stage of events like the X Games. Now, his remarkable story is set to be immortalized on the silver screen in the upcoming film, Full Circle, a true testament, resilience and passion that define Trevor Kennison. As we conclude this episode, Let Trevor Kennison's story be a reminder that life's challenges are merely opportunities to redefine ourselves and even rewrite the rules. Thank you, Trevor, for sharing your journey, your spirit, and your unwavering determination with us. Stay tuned for more incredible stories and insights on spinal cord injury heroes and innovators in future episodes in the Dear Louise series of our podcast. Together, we are raising the vibration for healing. Life can change in the blink of an eye.
3: You've been listening to Blink of an Eye. We ask that you share this with anyone who may need inspiration, a lift, or who may relate. Never miss an episode. Subscribe to Blink of an Eye on our website, BlinkofanEyePodcast.com, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.